Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. Hello, everyone. So, good churn versus bad churn. Is retention as relevant as we are told? It's a provocative title, um, but what I really want to do today is take you through a two-year journey that we went on at Magic Lab with retention as our goal. Now, at the beginning of this period, we had huge pressure from our stakeholders to grow the business. But inside the product team, we had a real lack of understanding of the levers that we had to impact this growth. Not only that, through this period, you'll see examples of poor communication from myself back to the business about the importance of retention. And at the end, it ends with a mission in conflict with what the business is asking for. But in order to explain all of that to you, I need to give you some context first of all. So let's start with myself. I'm Miles. I'm VP of Product. Um, I am a Cambridge University law graduate. I entered the digital sector back in 2012, and I've been at Magic Lab for the last seven years. Magic Lab. What is Magic Lab, people ask me? Well, we try to do one thing. We build relationships. The way that we do that is through a portfolio of apps. Badoo, Bumble, Lumen, and Chappie. Maybe some of you have heard of them before. So let's dive in. Our first product is Badoo. It's our dating giant. It's been around for 13 years now. Uh, it has global reach with over 440 million registered users, available in 42 different languages and over 190 different countries. It's our messaging powerhouse. Over 4 billion messages are sent every month on Badoo alone. It's very rich in the way it has interactions, from the classic matching game to also geolocation showing you who's nearby, we even have video streaming for people to show off their personalities and connect with others. <laughs> <laughs> so, Badoo has been a pioneer in the dating space for a long time. Um, we have initiated video chat so that you can see people who you're about to date before you give them their phone number, before you go and meet them in the real world. We've introduced photo verification so that users can request up-to-date selfies from the user so we can end catfishing. And we've even introduced machine learning algorithms to scan across the user base and find similar people to photos that you upload and are looking for. Um, all in all, its mission is to build relationships, but also a new mission of dating honestly. Here we want to instill trust and honesty back into relationships. Our second product is Bumble. Uh, Bumble is our rocket ship. Its mission is to build relationships, same as Magic Lab, but also to end misogyny, to help people make the women make the first move. Now, this is beyond just swipes. We've had one billion first moves made by women so far. Um, it's a revenue powerhouse. We've got a great distribution of payers between male and females, and it's mainly English-speaking markets at this point. Lots of potential for international growth. Next up is Lumen. Lumen is our seniors dating product for over 50s. 
Again, we're trying to build relationships, but here ending ageism as well. Trying to say that it's okay to be 50 plus and widowed, Lumen will help find a partner for you. This product's on its way to a million MAU. Main growth areas are in UK, Australia, and USA. Finally, we have Chappie. Chappie's our gay dating product. Again, we're trying to build relationships, but we're also trying to be the proud face of gay dating with this product. The anti-grinder, a place where you can find relationships, but also friends. Strong growth plans for this this year. Um, one really exciting point for us as an organization is that a month ago, Appani released its State of Mobile 2020. On that, they released their top 10 uh, apps for worldwide for consumer spend, and we were number 10 on that list. The only company from the UK, and we shared that list with Disney, with Netflix, with Google, and with Tencent. It was huge validation for our work so far. If we're looking just at the industry itself, this is the top grossing dating apps worldwide for January this month, released by Sensor Tower. And here you can see Bumble and Badoo in positions two and five. In fact, we're in the top 10 overall grossing apps on iOS and Android in 25 different countries. And we're in the top 10 for social and lifestyle in 147 different countries. But it's not only about revenue. Inside our company, we like to think of ourselves as a user-centric organization. It's all about real-world impact. We're here to make those relationships for our users, and nothing fills me with more pride than when we receive an email or a letter from our users telling us that they found their partner on one of our products. They found their husband or wife. They now have a family with kids thanks to our products. In fact, my favorite uh, success story is this one. Uh, a couple who met on Badoo sent us a picture of their wedding rings back in 2018. They wanted Badoo to be a part of the marriage with them, so they engraved on the inside of their rings, I Badoo, I do. <laughs> this is why I come to work, honestly. This is why I come to work. So at Magic Lab, what are our goals? Um, well, we start with more magic. We believe in our missions, we believe in our values, and we share them between marketing, product, engineering, the entire organization as a whole. This is what we mean by more magic. But the way we demonstrate that is with that real-world impact I spoke about before, more relationships. Now, recently, Stanford University released a, a study showing that the number one way that couples meet right now is online. Online and mobile is the way, more, can, makes more relationships than any other way. Met through friends, met in a bar, met at university. It's online and mobile that's leading the way now. And I'm proud to have been a part of that societal change there. Um, what that means is it gives us the opportunity to drive more word of mouth. The more couples that are meeting, they're going to tell people now that the stigma is gone, that they met on Bumble, they met on Chappie, giving us the opportunity to get more photos like those wedding rings earlier. And our third goal inside Magic Lab is a healthy, growing business. Now, we measure that in three different ways. More revenue, more profit, but also more MAU. And that's where I start my story today, okay? We had the goal of a healthy business, we know we needed to grow MAU, and we had stakeholder pressure to grow that MAU. 
So we took a look at how we approached growing MAU with inside the organization. We knew how to drive more new users. We knew how to re-engage users as well. But a few, uh, two and a half years ago, we had the focus to try and grow MAU through retention. Now, retention became the overarching narrative inside the product team, but it did so in a vacuum of knowledge. We didn't understand the levers that we needed to pull to impact retention. We didn't even really understand how to accurate, properly define retention. We started from a very narrow view of it as only the retention of new users. We didn't understand that retention was a lagging indicator and there was levers that we needed to pull in order to deliver that growth. We didn't communicate clearly to the business what retention meant and the long-term impact. And my main worry, worst of all, by the end of this journey, we were even concerned that this focus on retention was in conflict with our mission. Retention versus building relationships. So we moved before we had defined what we were trying to achieve. This is my story of a two-year journey with retention as a goal. When I think back to this time, I see it in four main phases, all with retention as a goal. Phase one started where it felt, lo where it felt logical to us, at the top of the funnel. Now, we had tens of millions of registrations coming through every single month. So we saw that as a lot of opportunity. Our hypothesis was that we were losing users early on. So we wanted to fix those pain points in that early journey and hoping to do that, we would improve retention and grow our MAU. But this is where we made our first big mistake. As a team, we started talking about improving retention, improving retention, improving retention, instead of that business goal of growing MAU. But we needed to start somewhere. So we started with data, as we always do. We took a look at our activation funnel. From the moment from download to how many users register to how many users start setting up their profile, add their images, and then tell us what they're looking for so that they're ready to be a part of finding other people on our products. And we saw gaps. Now, our analytical team identified that one of the biggest indicators of a retained user is someone who has more than one photo on their profile. So as well as optimizing all of the steps in this flow, we put serious attention to try and encourage our users to upload more than just one photo on their profile. And it was a success. With these uh, approaches, we managed to drive more users to an activated state. So then we moved on and took a look, okay, what are early aha moments? For those of you who don't know, an aha moment is uh, the moment when a user sees the value of the product. Facebook defines that as finding seven friends in 10 days. Now, our analytics team determined that we needed to get every single user a match within 24 hours. If we could get everyone a match in 24 hours, then we would be able to better retain them going forward. So we optimized our onboarding flow, we trained users how to vote better, we explained to them the value of a match, and we lent heavily on our algorithm team to try and make sure that we prioritize these new users, new users and match within 24 hours. Um, it was another success. With this approach, uh, we saw an increase in the number of users with aha moments early in their journey. So the results overall from this phase one was that we saw some MAU growth, we saw day one retention grow as well, but we had no meaningful impact on M1 retention. Now as a team, we thought this was a fantastic success. So our learnings here come with a warning. 
we started putting everywhere that retention is a key KPI for us. Retention is the goal, retention is the goal, retention is the goal, and our stakeholders listened to that as well. But at this stage, we still didn't fully understand the levers we had in order to impact retention. So zooming out, phase one was about those early aha moments. Phase two, we started looking at, well, what's that first week after the users understand the value of the product? Um, the challenge here was how to retain them for that week, and we had a few hypotheses that we wanted to test. We needed to identify the minimum amount of engagement needed to retain a user for that first week. We needed to identify what the common attributes from retained users were and have uh, and optimize for them. We need to be looking at segments of our user base that are underserved. And final hypothesis, to be looking at a distribution of activity. Zero in on those users that are hidden by the averages. Again, we started with data. We looked at correlations between our retention, and we found some nice indicators. First one was profile completion. So once a user understands that there's value in the product, they're willing to invest to put a little bit more of themselves into it. We saw that users with the highest profile completion rate had the best retention. So we optimized our profile completion flow, giving them easy steps and easy understanding about why this is important. It was a success. Next up, we tried to customize our experience. We know that once users have invested, they want the product to work harder for them. So let's give them the tools to be able to select what they're looking for and advanced filters for them to be able to customize what the product shows to them. Again, it performed better. This one was probably our most important learning from phase two, activity distribution. We discovered that while our top line vanity metrics, even our average per user metrics looked pretty good, there were segments of the user base that were going completely unserved. For every user that had 10 plus matches in that first week, there was another user that had none. That means we were not doing our job as a product for those users. So we were creating a lot of activity. We weren't distributing it correctly. Again, we lent heavily on our algorithm team to try and make sure that everyone in that first week got some activity continuing. And final learning, for, final part of phase two was our CRM. CRM is such a powerful tool to bring users back to your product. We started optimizing our lifecycle comms, making sure we were sending messages at the right time to the right users with the right message for the right activity as a result. Results from phase two, again, MAU growth, again, D1, and this time also some D7 retention growth, but still no meaningful impact on M1 retention. Now, at this stage, the learnings were coming quite quick. We learned that distribution and segmentation are key to serving the entire audience, but we still hadn't learned the lesson from phase one about retention being a key KPI. Our stakeholders now weren't asking us about the MAU growth. They were asking, why is there a growing gap between day one retention and month one retention? It was something that we would need to fix going forward. When we zoom back out again, we've looked at the early aha moments. We've then gone into our first week experience. Phase three, we expanded again. This time, uh, looking at something that we call internally an investing user. Now, this user understands the product. They've got it working for them, but now they want their results. And for us, that means getting them dates. They are here for relationships. 
we need to be optimizing what we do, their core user needs, to serve their core user needs, finding them relationships. So our hypothesis, if we provided these users with a tool set to start conversations and then go out and start dating, we'd be able to drive better retention. So we started with a proxy, because on our products, we don't know if you go on dates or not afterwards. That's completely off of our service. We needed to find a way inside our products to have a proxy metric for this. So we settled on good chats. Now, good chats basically are defined by either two users sharing a mobile number or having 10 back and forth messages in quick succession over a short period of time. This for us was our internal proxy for those users getting their core user needs satisfied. So then we set about simplifying it, introducing stickers, videos, music, even GIFs. All of this functionality drove a higher reply rate and users were quicker to get to those 10 messages back and forth. So we drove more good chats as a result. On top of that, we also tried to optimize our algorithms here to lead towards good chats. Not so great findings there. It turns out that the algorithms were great at getting a match, but then after that, it's up to the users to do the conversation. The algorithms could not help. So from there, we looked to simplify our flow for the users communicating, improve the functionality even further, but then we started to dive into the frequency of usage. And here, we actually had some quite big revelations for us as an organization. We had a huge user base at this point. Some users who had been with us for 12 years and were still returning, still starting conversations, still trying to find that relationship. <laughs> this is what we called the masses internally. Now, we so far in phase one, phase two, and phase three have been looking at a tiny subset of these users, only new users, and we were optimizing for their journey. We'd forgotten about these uh, masses who had been with us for so long, and we needed to fix this in the next phase. But first, the learnings from phase three. Results, MA continued growth, uh, D1 and D7 retention improvements, and finally, we had some early signs of impact on M1 retention. Our stakeholders stopped asking us about what we're actually doing to drive long-term retention. They were starting to get a bit more satisfied. But in the learnings here, need to focus on user needs, okay? They came to us to find relationships. Let's give them the tool set that they need to communicate with others and go out and start dating. So phase four, we've done top of the funnel, we've done improving uh, our segmentation and distribution, we're focused on user needs. Now we needed to take a step back and look at the forgotten masses, a huge amount of our audience that we were not optimizing for so far. So if you take a simplified view of our ecosystem as a whole, um, our MAU in year one was mainly all new users from that year. But as the years went on, the new users became a smaller and smaller proportion of our total audience. So the question now in the product team was, had we forgotten about that core user base? We had two main hypotheses here. First, that we'd gone too far optimizing for new users only. And second of all, that we had just unbalanced the ecosystem as a result. Now, you need to remember that dating is an ecosystem. Different preferences, different demographics, different intentions even. 
So as a team, we took our first challenge to try and find out if we can rebalance the engagement between these two core user base and new user base. Again, we lent on the algorithm team there. It was a heavy challenge for them, but they managed it and did a good job. Second challenge was, well, how do we define that we're accurately, our changes are accurately impacting these core user base? Our retention metrics weren't cover them, covering them. So instead, we took a step back and started defining our next period retention metrics, looking at all active users in one period who are also active in the next, capturing everyone. So third step, when looking at this core user base, we started to ask ourselves, well, what are the reasons that these core user base are leaving us? If they've been with us for 12 years at some point, you know, what is the reason that they are actually leaving us and leaving the service? And we had a real light bulb moment here, something that probably seems obvious to everyone. But it was good churn, okay? These leave, users were leaving because they found a date, because they found a relationship, because they found a partner, or because they were done with the dating side and wanted to go across to one of our other uh, verticals, such as friendship finding or networking. When we started digging into this and asking our users for their deletion reasons, reaching out to them with surveys, asking why have you gone, we found that it was five million users every single year that are leaving because they found their partner on our service. So now we had huge next steps internally in the product team. First of all, we had to reframe our conversation with stakeholders. Retention can't be the goal if we're satisfying our mission, okay? <laughs> and then second of all, we need to identify, well, what are the bad churn reasons? Why are these users leaving uh, us um, for bad reasons that we can fix? We identified them, you know, some users felt unsafe, they felt that there was rude people on the platform, felt the product was too expensive, felt like they were wasting time, or simply our competition were doing better than we were. So, with this good churn and bad churn understanding, we had some core learnings from our phase four. We knew our core retention metrics were not working for the business, we knew that they were ignoring so, uh, solid projects that were delivering good churn, delivering on our mission, and they were distracting the team from the levers that they could pull. So I would say that my learnings from phase four, ask yourself, are your metrics correct? This is fundamental. We needed to redefine all of our metrics to make sure that we covered our core user base as well. You need to build teams focused on individual levers that they can actually pull. Retention is a lagging indicator. Focus on the levers that you can pull, hoping to grow the user base. And finally, make sure the business KPIs are not in conflict with the overall mission. Fundamental one there. So today, today I can say that we're in a much better place. We've got teams focused on each of those individual levers, and we've got a better internal business narrative. It looks something like this. I won't read it all out, but we're optimizing towards building relationships, not retention. Our focus is instead on the levers we can directly pull with the aim of building relationships and increasing good churn. This makes me feel really good having come to that. So our conclusions. This journey at Magic Lab was around a two-year journey with retention as a goal. It wasn't our only projects. In the time, we also launched three new apps. We managed to grow our revenue as well as optimizing our core experience as well. But I felt that it was one that was really appropriate for this audience. Um, 
Next up is not as simple as improved retention, simply not. Think about the levers that you have, think about the understanding of what the user wants. And finally, when you do come to thinking about retention, think about good churn versus bad churn. What we learned here, number one, understand your goals and levers. Number two, communicate them clearly to the business. And number three, stay true to your mission even when the business looks like it's in conflict. Um, Okay, with that in mind, I'll go on to just some final learnings that we had about good churn. Um, what's funny in the dating business is that it actually turns out that true love is not forever. So, <laughs> <laughs> even when you see good churn, even when you see people leaving for a relationship, they might be back, okay? <laughs> and you wanna make sure that you're there and ready to capture them again. Second of all, there's a huge benefit from good churn, which is word of mouth. People, even if they use your product once for a one-time use, if it did the job, they'll go out and tell people that it did the job. This is critical. Which leads to nice opportunities for growth loops, which is a very trendy topic, but I'm sure for another presentation, not mine. So that was my two-year journey. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.